I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Wait, are we starting? We can start. Anytime <laughs> you're ready, we can start. <laughs> okay. Don't mind the squeaks on the floor. <laughs> That's the puppers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Macros and Mindset. <laughs> <laughs> With? With Dr. Kristen Lloyd behaving nicely. Yes, and Patricia Hill. Hey, guys, how are you? Okay, yeah, so it's a bit crazy in, up in here today. Um, so today's episode, we are addressing um, the honeymoon phase. So speaking of honeymoons, where'd you go on yours? I didn't have a honeymoon. Didn't have a honeymoon. Mm-mm. It was like a weekend. It was, it was not... It was not a honeymoon. Actually, I didn't even have a wedding. We went to the Justice of the Peace. The JP. The JP. All right. Did you yeah. guys go on a honeymoon later? No. Nope. You just went straight. We know. just went straight. Yeah. yeah. yeah right in. <laughs> I'm not going to go where you went to, but you know, okay. All right. So yeah. That, that would not be for this program. Yeah. That would not be for this program. Um, so yeah, my honeymoon, we uh, we went to New York. And actually, actually it was pretty amazing so i got to go to the nine maybe you know this year is my 10th year anniversary Ooh. although we're in the middle of covid so yeah but mm-hmm. i think i'm gonna hold that over that maybe you know next year he should take me somewhere for our 10th anniversary for a honeymoon that we never had i don't know i might use that and see if it works <laughs> your bracelets are like i'm like what is that sound <laughs> oh speaking of sounds okay so guys i have a new Sweet. puppy i know and so if you do happen to hear the occasional toy squeak or bark or whatever, you'll you'll know that it's that's what it is. It's strategically placed. It's strategically placed. Yes, yes, that's it. And I am sure my lovely um, producer will attempt to edit out some of those, but I think it would be quite funny to leave some of them in. Hint, hint, hint. Okay. So, anyway, so we are going to talk about honeymoon today. Um, and you know, guys, those of you who have had bariatric surgery, and if you have been in any group whatsoever or attended any support group, you have heard the term honeymoon phase. Um, yes, it is a real thing. Although personally, I kind of hate the term honeymoon phase, but that's a whole different story that we might get into later. Um, but here's kind of the genesis of where this came from. So, um, Dr. Bruce Lee, (laughs) that that's his real name. Yeah, it is his real name. Um, director of the global obesity prevention center at Johns Hopkins says that the latest study Um, is evidence that there is no single magic solution to obesity or shortcut to weight loss, despite what all the advertising and some popular beliefs may suggest. I think we need a mic drop there, like mic boom. boom. Yeah, mic drop. So bariatric surgery alone, as he continues, is often not effective. Not Not effective. effective. Alone. Alone, yeah. So patients must also incorporate substantial lifestyle lifestyle and, and behavioral, behavioral changes. changes. <laughs> wait, wait, let's say that again. Right. Let's say that again. Substantial, substantial lifestyle and behavioral changes <laughs> along with the surgery to achieve sustainable weight loss. So knowing this, <clears throat> responsible surgeons, which hopefully yours was, must make surgery candidates um, aware They need to make sure that they are willing and able to make the necessary dietary and physical activity changes before agreeing to operate on them. Hmm. Moment of pause. Moment of pause. Moment of quiet. Yeah. Moment of silence to recognize that. Yeah. 
So before operating. However, we go on. If the patient cannot maintain these behavioral changes, cannot maintain them, then the weight will frequently come back. Nobody talks about that. No. Okay. Oh, no, keep nobody going. talks nobody about talks that. Nobody talks about that. No. He said, while bariatric surgery can be helpful for people who have tried and exhausted all other options, we must realize that such surgery is no replacement for changing the systems that lead to obesity. Systems. Right. Systems, systems. and structures. Yes. Which, which is the lifestyle and behavioral changes. Absolutely. So guys, the reason I started off with this quote, um, is because it, 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 it ties totally into the maintenance because the maintenance phase gets a really bad rap for complacency. People are like, oh, my tool's doing all the work. I can't eat anyways, so I'm just going to lose weight. And I'm, you know, I don't have to change the way I do anything. I'm just going to keep eating the same thing I've always eaten, and I'll just eat little tiny, tiny portions. Guys, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. One more time. It doesn't work. I'm over here shaking my head. Yeah, she's shaking her head. You can't hear that. But <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, it doesn't work. Okay. So... There was an article, a journal um, posted in Social Science and Medicine um, by Amanda Lynch titled, When the Honeymoon is Over, the Real Work Begins. Okay, well, I'm going to read part of this, but then I want everybody to understand that you don't want to wait until the honeymoon is over before you start making these changes. Oh, can I tell you something? I, I have to interrupt this. Uh, interrupt away. <laughs> I have to interrupt this. So um, many, many, many times I would have people come to me before surgery. Oh, oh, I need to work on my mindset. I need to work on my mindset. And then they had surgery. And literally right after surgery, and I'm talking one-on-one clients, mm-hmm. they would start to cancel their appointments mm-hmm. right after surgery. Yep. You know what? I think I got this. I got this. And I would say, you know, okay. I would educate as much as I could. Mm -hmm. However, I'm not going to turn, you know, twist somebody's arm or, or, you know, scare, put the fear of God in them. But it was, you know, I just want to let you know right now it's easy. Mm -hmm. And between 12 and 18 months, Mm -hmm. my phone will ring. Yep. And this is, if you don't work on this, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody, anybody else, right? If you don't work on these core issues, you will be calling me back. Yeah. And and I did say that, tell them that because I wanted them to know, again, you need the foundation of the behavior on the lifestyle change. You need the change of the, the nutrition piece, all of that, because this is exactly what happens. And that is the timeline that I have seen over and over and over, over, and, over yeah. and over again is um, anywhere, again, that 12 to 18 months and then after 18 months, yep. like between 18 and 24. Those are the two key periods and, and different people experience different things. So mm-hmm. those two key periods, we could talk about that later, yeah. are different for different reasons. Well, and we do have other episodes coming up where we talk about, you know, post-op and, and the different stages and, you know, the journey after, you know, like maintenance and, and all of that. So we will address, this is not something that, you know, we're going to be able to address in this entirety, but, you know, getting back to this article, this journal from, um, social science and medicine, um, She starts off by saying dietary management over periods of weight loss involved six components, 
physical needs, hunger and fullness, relationship with food, strategy use, habit formation, and awareness of eating. In the honeymoon phase, weight loss is easy because the surgery does the work for you. It limits your appetite, it controls your portions, and your interest in food. As the weight stabilizes, however, is where the work begins. Now, this is from her article. As participants became capable of eating a greater quantity and a wider variety of foods, differences in the weight loss trajectories were associated with the participants' abilities to maintain changes in relationship with food, dietary strategies and habits, and awareness of eating behaviors. Holy cow. Guys, that is the whole reason I have my bariatric kitchen right there. Okay, that's it. So she goes on, viewing weight loss outcomes of of surgery as trajectories help to develop the result of dietary transitions um, um, and changes in dietary management that patients need to be counseled on in a a variety variety of cognitive and behavioral strategies. strategies. (laughs) Exactly. So guys, I mean, we're not making this stuff up. This is, you know, I mean, I've now quoted two different Journal articles articles or doctors, doctors, right, right, who have, you know, published information about this. So here's the thing, guys. We're going to focus on, you know, that that honeymoon phase, the things that need to happen, those six components. um, Because, guys, here's a startling kind of, oh, my gosh, bit of research. So the AMA, the American Medical Association, found that while excess weight loss was at 77% after one year, it decreased to 56% after five years. What does that mean? That's regain or that's failure to hit a goal. Okay. That's not achieving your weight loss. Diabetes remission starts out at 51% after a year, but only 20% after five years. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of these six components, Mm -hmm. six components. So, right. Okay. So first, the first one that she mentions, um, physical needs is, is the physical needs. So here's the deal guys. The human body needs calories to survive without energy. The cells in the body are going to, they would die. The heart and lungs would stop working. The organs would not be able to carry out the basic processes. You know, people absorb energy from food and drink. Okay. I like to tell my clients all the time. It's like, guys, think of your body as a, you know, as a muscle car. Okay. Yes, I love that. I love that. It's like you're a muscle car. It's a machine. It is a machine. And for a muscle car, I mean, we're we're talking, you know, whatever, Corvettes or Jaguar, whatever you want it to be. It could be a, yeah, yeah, whatever you want it to be. (laughs) You know, I mean, and 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 think of guys, man, they baby the crap out of these cars. They're spending bukus of money making sure that they're putting the top, you know, fuel and top you know, oils and all the other things that need to go they into got that the car. squeegee that they're yeah, washing I mean, the everything. outside. Yeah. They baby the, the heck out of these things. And you would never, ever, ever, ever dream of just putting in, you know, standard. Unleaded fuel. Yeah, unleaded regular fuel. No, they're going to put in the premium fuel. Guys, your body is the exact same way. You have to meet your physical energy needs. So if people could possibly consume only the number of calories that they needed each day for the body to function properly, then we would probably have healthy lives and we wouldn't need bariatric surgery, but that doesn't happen on also calorie consumption that is either too low 
or too high can lead to other health problems. Um, I actually have clients who stayed too low and are now having bukus of medical issues down the road. Everything from their teeth falling out to muscle you know, damage to bone density damage. I mean, all kinds of issues can happen. And that's also why supplementation is so important. Yes, absolutely. So your vitamins and supplements. Okay, so the number of calories in food tells us how much potential energy that your body needs. But it's not only the calories that are, that are important, but it's the substance, the macros, hello, macros and mindset, um, the substance from which the calories are taken. You know, if you're in my group, guys, you hear me talk all the time about carbohydrates, proteins, and fats all the time because that's, that's the critical component. So calories are made of carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are four calories per gram. They are made of proteins four calories per gram. They're made of fats, nine calories per gram. So that's what composes all of the food that we put in our body. So here's the deal. The U.S. government states that the average man needs 2,700 calories per day, and the average woman needs 2,200. Well, as bariatric patients, we don't come close to that. No, we don't. I mean, I'm four years post-op, and I can maybe hit 1,800 calories on a good day, yep. but I struggle to get 16 or 1,700 on most days. Um, so not everybody needs the same amount of calories. Not everybody does. Um, people have different metabolisms that either burn energy at different rates. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, things like, you know, your sex, whether you're male or female, um, what you actually weigh, what, how tall you are, how physically active you are. Do you have any other medical conditions? Um, you know, what is your body shape? You know, all of those factors go into your basal metabolic rate, which is the, you know, the, the amount of food you need to keep your body functioning at a maintenance level. Well, there's some, there's something else here though, because as you were talking, I also wanted to say, um, and, and I think I may have said this maybe in another episode, but I know I've said it probably in the last couple of weeks, which, and I definitely wrote about it in Release Your Regain for okay, sure, yep. um, which is the calories that are consumed in broccoli and cauliflower are going to be very different from the calories consumed in Cheetos oh or Doritos God. Yeah, and in terms of quality yes. of calories. Now, you'll probably, not you, not I, but someone would likely be able to, you know, have some... Uh, Cheetos and it'll, it's a compressed down, compressed down. Uh, it's a slider food and that'll give you a whole bunch of calories. There's very little nutrition there. Yeah. Pint of ice cream. Right. Pint of ice cream. I mean, I know bariatric patients. I have a relative who had bariatric surgery and he'd sit around and eat a half a gallon of ice cream every night because he could, because it was turned to liquid. Yeah. So, um, I, fortunately could not get past a half a cup because the sugar impacts me. Oh yeah. So yeah. Some people, right. This is also the difference in bariatric patients. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other topic, maybe for another time. However, the nutrition aspects are important as well because you can be eating ultra high processed foods that the Mm -hmm. food industry has created, or you can eat from nature and you can make that choice based on you can make that choice. Right. And yet there's a whole lot of advertising out there mm-hmm. that is convincing you to buy these highly processed foods, which then also continue to... Or gimmick marketing. Gimmick marketing, oh. right, to um, impact your palate 
Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to whole natural foods, you really have to train your palate. There is a thing about training your taste buds. Absolutely. And um, just so everybody knows, I don't know about you. I've never seen, this is what I read about in Release mm-hmm. Regan. I've, I've never seen a strawberry or blueberry marketing campaign. I've never seen a cauliflower yeah. <laughs> or, or broccoli <laughs> marketing campaign. Right. And yet uh, the foods that are going to give us the most quote unquote, bang for our buck in terms of if we're still on the topic of the muscle car, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the foods that are best in protein, the foods that are best in um, nutrition, best for our nutrition, right? Carrots and apples and chicken, chicken and, fish and, and fish and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Those are the things we need to be, those are the, those things, are the fuels we need. So when we're talking in, in this phase of this you know, the whole honeymoon thing, you have to understand. And part of that change is that you have to understand the importance of, it's not just that you're fueling your body, it's what you are fueling your body with. Okay. That is, you know, that's why I have and became monthly choosing success. That's why I have that subscription. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny. I had a client call yesterday and she's like, Patricia, I just found you. Oh my God. I love you. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And she goes, no, seriously, I am such a foodie. And I was like dying before I found you. She goes, your recipes are like freaking delicious. I never, ever get bored. You guys, you don't get bored if you eat healthy, delicious foods, you know? And so it's all about understanding that you can eat Mexican food or Cajun food or Italian food. Oh, your Thai lettuce wraps. Yeah. Mm. The Thai lettuce wraps. I mean, you know, so many different recipes, you know, you can have all of those foods as long as you understand the ingredients and you know how to put them together or you hire somebody like me to, to do it for you. Okay. So, you know, it's all about that physical need. Okay. We have to understand that our body needs X amount of calories. And and if you don't know what your caloric intake is, oh my gosh, go to my website, sign up for a BMR consult. Okay. My bariatric kitchen online.com. It's 10 bucks. I will do an analysis for you and tell you what you need right now, based on your age, your height, your weight, your level of physical activity. Okay. And we'll get you started on a plan. But you have to understand what your body actually needs and then fill it with food and not food products. A hundred percent. Fill it with food and not food products. Don't buy into the gimmick. Just because some marketing campaign slapped high protein on the front of it, read the ingredients. Okay. Granola is one. Oh my gosh. High protein granola, 10 grams of, you know, of protein per serving, but you also get, you know, 500 grams of sugar and a bazillion carbs and it's packed with sugar and other things. Not healthy. Okay. Read the labels. So, all right. So moving on. Number two, hunger and fullness. Okay, guys, this is one of those things that I teach in my bariatric basics class. Um, it's, I actually have a whole thing that I do about what's the difference between hunger and, and, and appetite. So learning plays a huge role in the journey. Okay. Whether you're weight loss surgery or not. Um, and I know that we're going to have listeners who are either considering the surgery or may never have the surgery. And just someone has said, Oh my God, you need to listen to these guys. As a matter of fact, somebody just posted about that the other day. It's like, I don't care if you've had bariatric surgery or if you just want to lose weight, listen to these girls. Um, so although we have genetically born instincts, things that we learn during early childhood experiences combined with our current environments, um, 
sometimes will conflict with these instincts. So hunger, hunger is the physiological drive to find and eat food. It's experienced by an unpleasant sensation. Okay. Feeling hunger is good. That's your body telling you, Hey, I need something. Feed me. Appetite, on the other hand, is a physiological desire to find and eat food experienced as a pleasant sensation, often in the absence of hunger. You know, I'm not really hungry, but, oh, I really want a scoop of that ice cream. Or, (laughs) oh, that brownie over there is calling my name. You know, that's appetite. Okay, big difference. So hunger drive is programmed by heredity. But appetite is influenced by learned responses. So hunger is the physiological, it's the science of the body functions, while appetite is more psychological. Okay, it's the science of thought and emotion. So know the difference, learn the difference, pay attention to the difference. I just did a uh, live stream probably less than a month ago in my Facebook group, Bariatric Mindset Mavens. And it was about someone who posted... I actually have a fear of being hungry and I really like feeling fullness. Oh, wow. And what we notice about this is it can actually be linked to a trauma response. Really? Right. And it can also be linked to a lack, like kids who grew up without food. So there can actually be a fear, and I'm not talking like, I mean, I'm sure there's a fear, look it up on Google, but I don't mean like that. (laughs) Like, I don't know the actual name for it. Right. But when I look, when people tell me I actually have a fear of being hungry, I will ask them, is there any childhood trauma? Is there a history of you not having enough food? food? Yeah. Because that, right, we see that obesity and poverty are linked. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there a link there? Is there a fear that you won't be able to find food again? Mm-hmm. And is it linked somewhere psychologically in your history? Well, and you know, I think that also plays into age. Um, I know that, for instance, my grandmother, who is 92, and my ex-mother-in-law, who was, I don't know, 80-something, um, they would show love by feeding you. Right. Because they, there was a time in their life mm-hmm. when food was scarce. I mean, well, my grandmother was born during the Depression. It's also cultural. Yeah. I mean, I have clients that come in from big Italian families, Jewish uh-huh. families. I mean, we could, we could keep going with the different cultures yeah. where, yes, food is celebration. And even when I go to visit my husband's family overseas, <laughs> my mother-in-law, I don't know what she's saying, but when she tells my husband, you don't eat enough. And I'm like, no, I'm eating plenty. I'm eating plenty. I'm eating enough mm. for my body. But there's always this, she's not eating. What's wrong? What's wrong with my food? She's not eating. And he's like, no, leave her alone. She's fine. Yeah. But there's this tendency, there's this cultural thing, like we must feed you. Right. And it is celebrated, uh, in terms of the culture and the social Mm -hmm. interaction. And so this is when we see that obesity is impacting our lives. Can we still, again, probably another episode, can we still celebrate with food? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just right. not the same ways that we used right. to, not overstuffing mm-hmm. and recognizing when enough is enough. And I love this, knowing the difference in hunger and appetite, knowing the difference 
And I'm sure we'll talk about it too. Also, the difference in physical hunger and emotional hunger, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way that I've always been trained to look at it is the difference in physical hunger and emotional hunger and not waiting too long because then you're famished. You don't have that logic brain to bring in. We make decisions from emotion brain. So you're making the decision on the way home oh my gosh, I didn't make any dinner tonight. I have to pick something up, but I stayed at work late and I'm starving. Right. And if you don't know in advance what your non-negotiables are. Yep. Well, and this actually, you know, this feeds into the habit formation because we're we're, going to talk about in just a few minutes, but, you know, having, you know, uh, not allowing yourself to get to the point of being famished as a bariatric patient is absolutely critical. Right. You have to eat. I don't care if you don't feel hungry or not. And again, we'll talk about more of that, about that later, but that does play into it. You know, don't go to the grocery store hungry. That's another one, you know, and again, I'll talk about that later too, but you know, having that, that difference between hunger and appetite, you know, when I was a kid, I lived in Greece and I remember being so excited to go to my, to our landlord's house, you know, they were Greek and oh my God, the food oh yeah, went on for days. I mean, it's like in a little kid's brain when I'm used to having my little, you know, 20 or 30 minute sit down dinner and dinner at their house lasted four hours and it was one course after another, after another, and it was all these delectable foods. I mean, you don't stop eating. You just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. You know, like tapas restaurants, you know, same type of of thing is you get all these little bitty portions and they bring them out in like little small, um, you know, portions, which is great. But where do you stop? You know, do you, and that's another thing, spreading the meal out for too long, you can actually overeat. Oh yeah. You know, so time yourself, allow yourself no more than 30 minutes to finish a meal. And at the end of that 30 minutes, you're done. No more food in your body. Right. That's it. You're done. Right. So, you know, choose, choose how you're going to eat. And I know that social situations sometimes don't, you know, allow us to do that, but, you know, be cognizant of it. And this is where, you know, having the knowledge that this is something that's really important that we need to be aware of is really critical. Okay, next point, relationship with food. Yeah, the re- your relationship with food. Actually, I firmly believe that your relationship with food is often reflected in your relationship with yourself. Ooh. And what I'm noticing, I know, she's looking up. She's like, wait a minute, what is that? <laughs> noticing, what does that, mean? what does that mean? So what I'm noticing a lot in people's relationship with food is that Again, I'm I'm coming from the emotional place. So I'm I'm going to be talking about where people stuff with food because they're exhausted, they're exacerbated, they're overwhelmed. And so where anxious, stressed, anxious, stressed, yeah. right? There's fear, there's depression, right. there's all of these things. And so the relationship with food is sometimes correlated with the relationship with self. And if you have a low self-worth, if you have low self-esteem, if you don't think much of yourself, then also look at what types of foods you're eating because it directly relates to what you were talking about with the muscle car. And you, food can be soothing. And food can so. be soothing. So you eat something that tastes good. So you think in the moment, oh, I want something that's going to make mm-hmm. me feel good. So you go and have the thing that's highly palatable, mm-hmm. which ha- is high on taste, mm-hmm. which sometimes is chemically processed, mm-hmm. low on nutritional value. Nutritional yep. value. And then in essence though, when you look at it when you're removed from that initial experience, you're actually self-harming. 
Hmm. And if you have a pattern of self-harming, you know, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? So which came first, this, the low self-worth and the low self-esteem mm-hmm. or um, giving yourself poor sources of fuel right. that could heal your body that would create wellness versus illness, right? Right. So when we look at this, again, this is where cognitive dissonance comes in and I'm using big words, but I'll explain what it means. So cognitive dissonance is essentially the psychological principle that you have to um, rectify or um, kind of like hash things out in your brain. So one of the examples I give in one of my um, workshops that I give is that somebody might say, oh, I'm on a diet. I can't have this donut. So then they're like, ah, I'll just work it off. I'll mm-hmm. just, I'll just Mm-mm. exercise more. Mm-mm. But here's, but that's their brain mm-hmm. has to, has to justify, justify yeah. it. Right. Well, that's a justification, but the cognitive dissonance is to, and again, I'm off the cuff here, but the, it, you have to rectify it. You have to, um, not dissolve, but that's the, the word that I'm looking for. The other one, there's a couple different examples. One that's, oh, I really want this um, donut. You know what? Donuts aren't really that bad for you. So then there's a rationalization because what cognitive uh, dissonance is, is you use different defense mechanisms to, you know, one could be rationalization, one could be a justification, or I'll make up for it later, or those different things. Or, avoidance you know, or whatever. Yeah. That, oh, I'll start that diet tomorrow, or I'll, right. you know, whatever it is to have that thing. In order to, um, I've already blown it today, so I might as well eat this now. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you had one slip up. Right. So that is what ends up one of the things that ends up happening. So the cognitive, the cognitive dissonance that you justify and you work away around it essentially in your mind. And then, however, another thing that I see in terms of the relationship with food could also be impacted by depression Mm -hmm. where when you're already in a low mood, because again, depression and obesity are Mm co-occurring frequently, Mm -hmm. you're already feeling bad. And so again, you have a low mood, you have low energy and you're reaching out for something that once again, tastes good and I don't have any energy to cook. So then you go and you eat something that's quick and fast, again, highly palatable likely high in calories and you go and you eat that thing, especially when you've waited so long Mm -hmm. to decide to eat because you've put it off and put it off and put it off. Okay. Finally you order the thing, you make the thing, you pick up the thing, whatever it is, and then you eat it and then you might be really hungry. So then there's the propensity or the potential to overeat that happens. And in the moment, it just, oh, it feels good. And then, oh, what did I do? Shame, blame, and guilt set in. Mm-hmm. Or and you this get is, sick. Or you get sick. So they're the, so I'm mid-cycle here. Mm-hmm. And then you start to shame yourself, feel bad about yourself. Why did I do that? God, I'm such an idiot. What the hell is wrong with me? Like judgment, 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 yep. criticism, criticism. Brings your mood all the way back down again. I'm never going to get there. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. I'm such a failure. I'm such a, I'm failure. Such a loser. I can't do this. Right. And then you kind of go back to that low mood point. So it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. And so people are then saying, what's wrong with me that I can't control myself around food? Okay. Well, guess what, everybody? We have to eat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We all, we all have to eat. And 
when we change our relationship with food comes, I think, when we change the relationship with ourselves, because this is probably going to be five or six or seven episodes. I don't know, but I'll, I'll list yeah. out all of the things that I think impact our relationship with food. And um, not too long ago, I came up with like a, a source issues, the core issues. And so it, it begins, it can be, can it be mental health issues? Absolutely. Can it also be boundary issues? Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. And then some other things are trauma, Childhood trauma, young adult abuse, trauma, abuse, emotional, physical, whatever. Right. Emotional, physical. Mm -hmm. And then there's also um, family of origin or attachment issues. Oh. So the other thing that comes up in childhood a lot of times is when someone is not receiving the love or attention that mm -hmm. they needed as a child, what ends up coming up is they, if they had a parent who couldn't handle or couldn't emote or whatever, mm -hmm. their childhood might've looked like they fell and they skinned their knee and their parent, rather than, um, saying, Oh honey, that's okay. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. You know, come here, let me give you a kiss. Oh, let's go get an ice cream. Right. Or here, you know, have, you know, stop crying. Right. You know, here's this cookie, here's this bottle, here's right. this thing. And Absolutely. so, um, you know, those can create some different attachment issues, yeah. um, family of origin, belief systems, you know, don't trust people. There isn't enough, you know, poverty, lack mm -hmm. thinking, you know, we have to hoard stuff, you know, there's that stuff. I mentioned mental health, self-worth where you don't think you're worthy of certain things, which then could that also be, um, potentially impacted depression, anxiety, your identity. You don't really know who you are. You've mm -hmm. only followed through with who you think you should be based on other people. Mm -hmm. um, people pleasing. And it may go back to attachment or some other things. You please and please and please to try to get others to um, mm -hmm. notice you, to wow. validate okay, so you. That resonates with me. I mean, I was a people pleaser my entire life because I never felt like I was good enough for anybody. And that also... Yeah self self now, that's changed i mean but right. it's it's not been but maybe the past five years and, and where i've finally started realizing that no it's it's me it's all me it's and that's i have to please to myself yeah right but how again when you look at that people pleasing mm -hmm. i i would say that 80 percent or more of my group my one-on-ones mm -hmm. all of them people pleasers yeah and yeah and again we and also I see a lot in the service. When I say service, I mean nurses, teachers. other therapists, mm -hmm. teachers, occupational therapists, people who are in a helping profession mm -hmm. because they come with their heart, which is good. And and we want to help them to create a balance between that. But there's this it creates a it's off kilter. Right. Where it's, it's an imbalance. It's an imbalance. It's like a seesaw that's like a seesaw. Yeah. And then the other thing, self belief. Self-trust. So the core thing. Oh, I just thought of a graphic. Yeah. Self. We'll, we'll have to do that. <laughs> Self-belief, self-trust, where there's a lack of self-trust. So um, a lot of people really like uh, intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. And I firmly, firmly believe you cannot eat intuitively if you don't trust yourself. Oh, for sure. 100%. Um, yeah. Because 
<laughs> you're, you'll think intuitively, well, you know what? Intuitively, I want that box of chocolates, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> not how it works. That's not how it works, right? So there's got to be this foundation of self-belief and self-trust, self-belief that you can take it one step at a time. And then the other thing that um, communication and using your voice, being able to communicate your needs mm -hmm. to others effectively mm -hmm. and fulfillment. I see so many women who have a lack of fulfillment that as a result, they eat because they're unfulfilled. They wow. can't use their voice because they're yeah. in a miserable marriage. So they eat. They don't believe in themselves. I, can so also, they eat. I also resonate with that one. They yeah. people please. They don't feel validated mm -hmm. when people don't validate them. They eat boundaries. They don't know how to set boundaries because there's a fear of people leaving them. Mm -hmm. So they eat if they stood up for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Then personal identity. I don't know who I am. Oh my gosh, that's scary. I don't want to figure that out. So they eat self-worth. I'm not worth it. I had anything. a client that I just talked to about that the other day, but I mean, she was like, I, I don't know who I am. You know, she said, I never set a goal for myself ever because I was so afraid of setting a goal. All of these connect to fear. Oh, they do. All, All of these of connect to but, fear. But I mean, that one was like, I've, I, that's the first time I've had that conversation with a client. And I'm like, you mean you didn't discuss like a goal weight with your doctor or like where you thought you could be? And she's like, no, I absolutely refuse to. She goes, because I don't, I don't, I don't ever see myself getting there. So why should I? And it was like that fear of who am I going to be? Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was a, a powerful conversation. And when I got off the phone with her, I literally had to sit there for a few minutes and just kind of process what had happened because it was so, it, it was, it was heart wrenching to be yeah. honest. I mean, I'm like, I, how, wow. here's the thing though, when we go back to relationship with food and that's why I literally just developed this core wheel. You're so smart. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so that's I why just you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I just developed this because I, and they interlap and you know, they're yeah. interwoven and you know, I mentioned past trauma and there's so much stuff that people think, you know what? And I respect what you do. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. I love what you do. Mm -hmm. And yet I also have to remind people, you can have the best meal plans. Mm -hmm. You can have the, all the food in the world. Yeah. But, but if, unless but you, if your yeah. head ain't right. Nope. Nothing else is going to work. <laughs> Nothing's going to work. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, that's part of the thing. If, if you don't know what's driving you, what's, what's underneath. And mm -hmm. I think that there's that saying, um, which uh, it's overused, so I don't use, use it, but it's not what you eat. It's what's eating you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's yet, that's the thing it's until we get to the core issues, but back to the relationship with food, it's about your relationship with yourself. And so often people are not ready to dig into their junk. And mm -hmm. this is why, again, for my group, I'm like, you got a therapist, you got a therapist. Cause I'm not doing trauma work. Yeah. yeah. That's not what I do. You know, you got a therapist, you got a therapist, good. You know, just making sure because I, I think that it's a collaborative thing. Hmm. They, we need a team. Oh, for sure. Well, hello. That's why, <laughs> that's why I have you and that's why I have Natalie because I can't do this alone. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, Wow. All right. So that opened up some, some really interesting thinking points for myself. And I really kind of can't wait to go back and listen to this because, um, some of what you said really resonated even with me. <clears throat> and, you know, those of you that know my story know that, you know, I've just gone through a divorce and it's, it's, it's not been pleasant. Um, but it has brought up some things and I did have some regain, um, because I am human and I also ate my emotions and, 
you know, and I've dealt with it and I've, <laughs> hello, I just started following my own meal plans and started losing it off again. Um, imagine, but, imagine, I know imagine how that works. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but uh, some of that, that you talked about really did resonate with me too. So. Well, I've gone through this too. I have a oh, therapist, for sure. yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, I mean, I work on this stuff and it's, it's, we're all a work in progress. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get here because we were all, we were perfect. Yeah. There's no such thing, right? right? No, no, I am we a work all in have progress. something to, to work on. Awesome. Wow. Okay. I feel like I need to take a breath. <laughs> that was rough. I, I, I know I bring the heavy, but you know what? If we need I, it. We need the, the truth. Yeah. Like there are, you know, to, not to use a food reference, but there's a ton of folks out there sugarcoating stuff. Oh, and yeah. I am here to tell you that this, I love to take people. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. on my, on my group call the other night, like there was somebody who popped on with like some really intense stuff and I lit up like a Cheshire cat. Yeah. And you're like, what? And, and that's what usually happens is I get so excited yeah. when I, when I see somebody, not when I see somebody struggling, mm -hmm. so don't, you're going to think she's sick and twisted. That's not what I mean. <laughs> well, she is. But <laughs> I, I, when I, when somebody comes in and they're struggling and willing, oh my gosh, I get so excited because I know yeah. exactly how to help them. Yeah. I know exactly, you know, what steps to take them through. Well, and it's like, you know, and I, and I kind of hesitated saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, you know, this whole relationship with food, you know, you have to work your tool. You, you have, have to understand to work your tool. Yeah. And I have just been devastated recently in, in my group and in other groups that I see where people are talking about revisions or, you know, all these other, uh, they want to go in under the knife again and have a second surgery. And it's like, baby, no matter what you do, unless you deal with the, the head game, it's not going to change anything. You can have five surgeries. Not that you could. Well, you could. Uh, even you, you after, could have five. Even if you after, started off yeah. with the, like the lap balloon and then went to the lap band, but you know you could do you could do all the surgeries and nothing's going to work unless you deal with your relationship with food. If you deal with these six core your things, relationship with yourself, your relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah. They, gotta, they're they're so intertwined, and well, and you know we both talk about putting yourself first. That's something that I have said for years in my group. You've got I, here's to put yourself thing, first, though. but here's the thing. And it just hit me. Putting yourself first is so oversimplified. It, I was just going to say that, but putting yourself first is all six of these things. It is. It's understanding all of these. People think self-care is like massages and pedicures. No, like no. self-care is that's pampering. That's pampering. That probably needs to be a whole show because yeah. I really think that people think that going, you know, self-care is going and getting your hair done and no, going and getting is self -care. exercise is self-care. Yeah. Eating yourself nutritious foods is self-care. Right. Learning how to track your food is self-care and, and being diligent with it. That's self-care. I also think good hygiene is self-care. Oh, absolutely. Because I also, yeah. we also know that with depression and anxiety, there's some mm -hmm. people, especially during COVID that, yeah. you know, don't shower in I've, or, I've, yeah. I talked to somebody last week who said it's been three days. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Get your skanky butt in the shower. Go, get, as you go into the shower and you give me a call back. Yeah. I love you. Go, go, go shower. Go, yeah, go wash your hair. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I mean, so, but it is. It's like you've got to fix these six things or nothing's going to work. And all of them need to be addressed during the honeymoon phase, which is the whole reason we're having this episode. So, right. okay. One, well, we have a couple more, but 
the next one is strategy use. And Kristen's going to take the lead on this one too. Dr. Kristen. Strategy use, you know, that is really about using other tools. Yeah. Right? So it there are so many strategies because I, I actually create my own. I which mean, amazing. I, <laughs> I just create my own, which I don't know how I do it. I just do it. It's intuitive. It's a gift. It's a gift. It really is. Uh, you know, the, the strategies go with the tool. I, some of them mm. are some of the ones that you use, set a timer on your phone for when you're going to eat, set mm-hmm. a timer when it's time to take a sip, clink, clink, water, 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 three drinks, right water there. break. You know, I do, I make water games, anything you can gamify. Mm-hmm. And I learned this or a while challenge. back. I love challenges, yes. right? Yeah. Anything you can gamify because, and there's so much research on this and other professionals and other doctors with books and all of this that have, um, if you can find a way to make it easy for your brain, you can adopt it into your lifestyle. We've got to make things easier. When we think something is going to be hard, it is. One of my favorite quotes is by, I believe it's T. Harv Eker. And he says, if you only do what is easy, life will be hard. When you do what is hard, life will be easy. Boy, that's true. And so if you do, if you implement what you think is hard, it'll become easier over time. Mm -hmm. So... Similarly, when we were um, learning, right, to brush our teeth, we had to have our parents remind us, did you brush your teeth? <laughs> did you do it? Did you take a shower? Right? How many, <laughs> how many of you guys out there have a seven-year-old or a nine-year-old or even a 12-year-old that you're like, uh, did, you, did you shower? <laughs> right back to the shower thing. So we, we, there are those reminders when you're learning. Did you use soap? <laughs> did you use soap? <laughs> I have a mom that I'm working with that has a 12 year old son and she's like, oh my gosh, his shoes, his shoes. Oh, Cause he's starting to yeah. cha- you know, change Yuck. his puberty, you know? And she's like, I have to get him deodorant. And okay, I digress. But, <laughs> but she has to remind him, put on your deodorant. She has to remind him go take a shower. And so we need reminders, right? So a lot of times people think, oh, it's not working. It's not that it's not working. It's that you need some strategies. You need to put some strategies in place for a good eight weeks or longer. Oh, for sure. Because people also have used that thing 28 days to make a habit. There's new research that doesn't talk necessarily about 21 or 28 days. New research says the more that you repeat something, the more likely you will to remember it. And routine. There's a lot of different books out there um, about habit and habit formation. I I think it was Charles Duhigg who wrote, and now I forget the book, but he said 45% of everything we do is habit. You get up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, Mm -hmm. you wash your face. It's a habit. So if you get up and you have some water and you take your supplements right away, not everybody can do that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, for whatever reason. And yet that's one of, okay, boom. That's a new habit. That's that done. Yeah. That's a new habit. That's done. And so it's, it's just part of the, part of the process. So mm-hmm. what are the strategies? You have a ton of strategies. Yeah. So you get up, you have a protein ball, you wait, and then you have breakfast mm-hmm. and then. Well, and, and I, I really kind of struggled with these two, the strategy use and habit formation, because they do so closely intertwine. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you, 
to have the strategy be effective, you have to form a habit of using the strategy. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, you can have all the strategies in the world in your back pocket, but if you don't ever use them because they're, you don't, you're not in the habit of using them or even in the habit of thinking about, do I have a strategy for this? You know, I mean, and it's like, you know, so in stressful situations, what is, what is the strategy that you use to deal with that okay. stressful situation? I, I have done so, I have one. Yes, but, so many things. So mm-hmm. first of all, I wrote about it in bariatric mindset success. Mm-hmm. My dad was in the hospital in 2017. I worked that entire week. He passed away in March of 2017. That whole week in the hospital, I knew what I was eating. I was moving my body. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I also work better in crisis Mm -hmm. than most people. Me too. So, and I have to work. I have to stay busy. Some people shut down if I, I'm the opposite. Mm -hmm. So I have to keep going, going, going. Mm -hmm. So I don't house clean like some people do. I don't house clean. What's wrong with those people? I don't know, but I cannot. (laughs) That's the one thing. If y'all want to come to my house, y'all are more than welcome. She like mops. And like last week she mopped her house like three times. I'm like, what the actual hell? That is not me. That is not me. My husband, he bought me a mug that said, I am a trophy wife. I do not cook and I do not clean. (laughs) That's amazing. And I was like, you get kudos for that, baby. Okay, we digress again. Oh my so, God. <laughs> I do think I'm a trophy wife. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so in terms of the, the strategies, one of the, what I used was I knew what I was eating. I knew I wasn't going to the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. You know, I did go to Chick-fil-A. That was the place I was allowed to go. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was getting when I mm-hmm. went there. I knew what was off limits. Mm-hmm. And that was part of me building self-trust with myself. Right. Because that could have been a point where I could have emotionally eaten. I, I eaten. I could have gone to the cafeteria and mm-hmm. gotten Whatever. different yeah. stuff. And I was like, no. The burger and fries. Right. Yeah. I'm right. not doing that to myself. I could have gone to other places. Yeah. No. I knew you know, what was healthy and what was not. So in terms of crisis, what I highly recommend is actually a crisis management plan in advance. And this is also where 100% know thyself. Yeah. If you know that you're Miss Sally, who's clean in the house. Well, first of all, you give me a call, Sally, because you come to my house. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I volunteer. I volunteer. I volunteer as tribute. I will exchange therapy services or coaching services for house cleaning. House cleaning. <laughs> I don't think that's actually illegal but but anyways (laughs) but i can (laughs) you can you can you can i don't think i can but anyways um so i have a crisis management Mm -hmm. plan in advance i recommend people that they have um a rotating because we never know when crisis is going to hit i always recommend that you make extra and that you rotate your freezer every three months and that's that's something that a lot of people don't think about Mm -hmm. right because you have a jack and a and a spare tire in the trunk of your car. Yep. Why wouldn't you have at least a week or two of food? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yep. nobody wants to think about crisis. I certainly don't want to think of crisis. And guys, that's so easy. It's so easy. I've got, I could name off five recipes right now that you could make a batch of and freeze half and have ton, you know, a, a week's worth of food just ready to go. And I do have members who do that. Like the, the taco meat from my taco salad. I mean, people will like make double and triple batches of that because it's so good and you can turn it into so many things. Meatloafs. Right. I mean, 
soups and stews. I mean, there's so many different things that we could have in the freezer at all times and just ready to grab out it, it no matter what happens. No matter what. Yeah. And, and again. In portions. Don't freeze them in like a gallon size bag where no, you no, can't no. get one portion. We're talking like single serving portions. I do that frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other piece of that is walking, mm-hmm. right? Being able to know where to walk because that's also good for endorphins. Mm-hmm. It's also good for reducing stress and anxiety. If a crisis strikes, mm-hmm. I know that's not the the purpose of today's talk, but other strategies that are not crisis related are, mm-hmm. I'm a big... Actually, aren't we talking about that in our next episode? Yeah, we could. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to be talking about ne- that next episode. So one of the things I'm a big proponent of is three and a half by five <laughs> index cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're cheap. And I get a Sharpie, you know, and I would write notes. As a matter of fact, one of my clients from two years ago, she put a note to herself. This is actually a funny story. She put a note on the um, break room cookies that said, so-and-so, this is not for you. So that she would stay away from the cookies. So it was a note for her to stay away. And she got mad on one of our group calls. She's like, why? She'll know who this is. She'll know who she is when she listens. (laughs) She said, she's like, I don't know why somebody keeps taking the note off. And I said, well, somebody probably thinks that somebody's bullying you. (laughs) (laughs) That's my thought. I was like, ooh, somebody else is going to see that and go, damn, somebody's being brutal. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Don't eat the cookies, Eileen, or whatever. (laughs) Whatever, (laughs) You know? But put, oh a note, put a note for yeah. yourself in, in the, you know, if it's after eight, the kitchen is closed or things right. like that. If you're struggling with night eating, another strategy, like keep some things where, where you're sitting to keep your mind busy. Put Kristen's to keep face your hands. on your refrigerator. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we know who to thank for that. I have become a refrigerator magnet <laughs> and a little stalking head that sometimes goes in the closet. To scare people. To scare people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. so the strategy use, it goes more than it can go hand in hand with mm-hmm. habit formation. And yet it can also be for trigger situations. Right. Like I've heard, I've had clients that have said, Oh, every time I go to my mother's house or my mother-in-law's house yeah. or my cousin's house, they have all, they have a, the whole bowl of candy in the middle of the table. And Oh my gosh. So you need to have either a strategy or an affirmation or a mantra or something that, mm-hmm. A backup plan, something there. A backup plan. And again, know thyself. This is, that's a foundational principle for me is, is know thyself because this is not a one size fits all. I do not teach from a one size fits all. No, we can't. No, neither of us can, you know, and like, you know, so one of the strategies that I use and God, I mean, out of my one-on-one calls that I do a couple of times a month with my clients, um, I probably use this strategy more than anything is because everybody or not everybody, but a whole lot of them talk about that afternoon slump where all they want to do is find something to put in in their mouth. I mean, they just like three o'clock rolls around. It's like, Oh my God, I'm hungry. It's like, no, you're not hungry. Did you eat everything on your meal plan? Yeah. You're not hungry. Okay. You're not hungry. You're bored. You know, you're in a habit, you're stressed, you're whatever. So here's a strategy. Every time you get that way, I want you to get up out of your office chair. You can take a five minute break, go get a 16 ounce glass of water or a bottle of water and step outside of your house. Mm -hmm. Go outside, go stand on the porch, drink the water. And while you're out there, I want you to stretch. I want you to march in place. I want you to move around. If you can walk, go for a walk. And I want you to practice gratitude statements. 
Those are the three things I want you to do every time you feel you have to go put food in your mouth at three o'clock. And because a lot of things will happen and that's a strategy because you know, one, if your body is full of water, if your tummy is full of water, you can't eat. Nope. Okay. And nine times out of 10, if you're truly feeling, you know, hunger, um, it's probably not hunger. If you're eating nutritious foods, it's probably dehydration. Correct. So that's going to give you some additional water that you need. Um, the obviously being outside and moving is going to, you know, release endorphins and it's going to lower the cortisol levels. Okay. Which is the stress, you know, stress hormone in our body. Um, and then the gratitude statements are going to force you to shift your thoughts away from food Mm -hmm. and to grapple and to wrap your head around things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And when I mean practice gratitude statements, I'm like, don't let your words stop. It's like, I mean, think of anything. I'm grateful that I have shoes on. I'm grateful that I have clothes to wear. I'm grateful for that butterfly that just flew past. I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful for, I mean, anything, anything that you just. Grateful for air conditioning. Yes. Grateful (laughs) for whatever. But you, if you're constantly talking to yourself through that, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. You know, and it's allowing you to shift your focus off of that food that you wish you were eating. And on to something completely different. And so a whole lot of things can happen, but that's a very effective strategy mm-hmm. for that afternoon or even evening, you know, snack munchy time that you feel that you have to take care of. That. I think that leads us into habit formation it does. because, okay, so I'm going to read this. Okay. Um, what is habit, you know, what is habit formation from, do- I think it was um, Dr. Lee, right? Uh, or was this from- No, this is from, um, what's her name? The, uh, uh, now I can't remember. It's from Amanda Lynch. Amanda Lynch, okay. right. So a person who eats inappropriately may, as, may have established, I'm going to start over, habit formation. A person who eats inappropriately may have established a habitual behavioral pattern that links a certain stimuli to the act of eating. This type of eating is initiated by the wrong triggers. It becomes a response to not only hunger or appetite, but to yearning, craving, addiction, compulsion, depression, or boredom. Yep. And it's important to learn as much as you can about healthy nutrition and how it can help your body. Right. So we're going to go through the habits. These are things that you can do. Okay. So learn as much as you can, which is listening to this podcast. (laughs) It's joining Bariatric Mindset Mavens. It's joining My Bariatric Kitchen. It's coming to us for coaching. Right. That's all those things. Learning, you know, as much as you can about... Um, what you're eating and how it's helping you. Yep. Um, and and the, I just want to add here, so often we look at, oh, I have an iron deficiency. Mm-hmm. I have this, I have that. So we're, we're such a society focused on, again, that illness versus wellness. Yeah. Right? So where can I get the, the right amounts of vitamin C and iron and strawberries are high in vitamin C, mm-hmm. right? There are mm-hmm. a lot of different... Okay. So that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Planning is such a huge, it's critical. And I've had people say, well, I'm not a planner. I like to be impromptu. It's like, okay, well then switch it up, right? Switch, switch Tuesday with Thursday. (laughs) Right. Right. right, Yeah. Track your food, every single bit that enters your body. There is a lot of research that says that tracking also called self-monitoring in Mm -hmm. the clinical psychological literature is is actually supportive towards long-term weight loss and maintenance. Eat on a regular schedule. Six meals a day is highly recommended. Start eating, start every day with breakfast. 
Eating early and frequently throughout the day stimulates your body's engine to burn calories. With time, eating regularly will boost your metabolism and your weight will decrease to a healthy level. Oh my gosh, there's more. I didn't realize there was more. These are all things from my group. These are all things that I use. Eat your food sitting down at a table and from a plate. This also promotes mindful eating. Yes. Eat slowly, chew every bite, savor the taste of the food. Mm-hmm. Plan ahead. Take snacks with you at all times to avoid periods of extreme hunger. Use alternative to food as rewards, long walks, baths, mess- mess- massages. Oh massages. Visits with a friend, Manny Petty, a new gadget for a hobby, gardening, a new book, etc. Exercise. This is pampering. That's pampering. That's pampering. Yes. Right. Um, exercise, even simply taking a 20-minute walk every day can... It- can be extremely beneficial. Drink water. Water not only hydrates your body, but can actually serve as an appetite suppressant. Did you know that sometimes when you (laughs) think you're hungry, you're actually thirsty? Mm -hmm. Thirst pangs mimic hunger pangs. Always shop with a full belly. Guys, do not go to the grocery store if you're hungry. When (laughs) when you're looking at habit formation, though, a lot of times when people will say, gosh, Kristen, why am I hungry? I just, I have to have something at nine o'clock at night. I've already eaten my dinner and I will ask them, is it habitual hunger? And they're like, what is it? Is it what? <laughs> you know? yeah. And this is, this is true because we, we can create a habit where every single night at the same time we're hungry because for so many years you've paired and I've, I have clients with this. They've paired eating with mm-hmm. watching television. Oh yes. And so breaking that habit is really about shifting habits to doing something else. So what else can you do mm-hmm. rather than... I don't snack at night or want to snack at night if I don't turn the TV on. Interesting. I hardly... If I'm here alone and don't have, you know, family or friends over, the TV is hardly ever on because I find I, I want to snack less. I mean, because I, I, I have that it's too. It's a paired... Yeah, it's a paired response. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing with habit formation is what habits would you like to form mm-hmm. in the honeymoon phase or even in the long term? Right. Because this really is good for anybody. It's good for anybody. But gosh, guys, it's so critical in the honeymoon phase. You've got to do, you've got to form these habits in the honeymoon phase. Because or else that's where the 18 months people yep. will, oh, what's wrong? What's there? First of all, there's nothing wrong, wrong with yeah. you. And the thing that I will tell people is, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just committed to an old pattern, an old set of patterns and behaviors that no longer serve you. Yep. There is nothing wrong with you. This, if, if you're stalled, if you're struggling, there is nothing wrong with you. This, does, this is not a character flaw. This is about creating behavior mm-hmm. change. And exactly. again, like she had said, the cognitive and behavioral changes that are necessary for really that lasting lifestyle change. And like I mentioned, what I call core issues is really leaning into the discomfort. Yep. Yep. So habits. Habits. Okay. So we have one left and that's awareness of eating. Oh yeah. So in awareness of eating, this is where I also go back to mindful eating Mm -hmm. is the awareness of and this happened, this, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story that happened to me a couple of years ago. I was working, I had just launched bariatric mindset and my business coach at the time was like, you really need to do YouTube videos. And I do have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And I was terrified. And I noticed me sitting in front of my computer about to record 
all I could think about was I just want to shove food in my mouth. Uh, and that yeah. was like huge. Oh my gosh, I have anxiety. And the awareness of the trigger, the awareness of the desire to eat is, is critical. And some yeah. people will say, oh, there must be something wrong with me because the food just ended up in my mouth. Well, <laughs> it didn't just end up in your mouth. Right. Um, and I there's three built bars before I even knew what I was doing. So there's, there's yeah. actually a strategy to, um, <laughs> that, that I, that I use actually, um, that helps people realize that we don't necessarily, um, that we can follow through on things mm -hmm. is, um, r raise your arms up in the air. Me? Yeah. Raise your arm up in the air. Did you have to actually like think arm, you need to move. You just moved no, your arm. I just moved my arm. It was just yeah. right. Yeah. So. <laughs> How many of you are doing that now? <laughs> <laughs> I see you. So, and actually I got this yeah. from a um, acceptance and commitment therapy technique, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because we think that we have to be in our conscious mind to change the behavior. Oh. Okay. And so or that we have to be in logic brain mm -hmm. or that we have to think it through. And there, there may be this impulse to let me shove this in our mouth because that's the habit that's been formed. Right. And the thing that we want to acknowledge similar to what you said a little while ago is you can put that candy back and walk away without giving it much thought, mm -hmm. but there's so much emotion tied up in there's so much emotional attachment and involvement with whatever it is, hmm. the candy, the bite mm -hmm. that you're, that's where, that's how you know usually that you're fulfilling an emotional need. Hmm. So when there's this awareness of eating, that's why when you're building these other habits of sit down chew your food mm -hmm. and you're present with your food, that's the act of mindfulness. So a lot of times we talk about mindless eating, which is you're just eating mindlessly. I can drive mindlessly. That sounds scary, but no. I can oh, drive. Oh, totally, yeah. On autopilot. Absolutely. Right? How many of you have ever driven down the road and you're like, shoot, <laughs> how did I get this far? I didn't even remember doing it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Right. Or yeah, you, because you just don't even think about you it. You just don't even think about yeah. it. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. And so... You know, can you be mindless with eating? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet the awareness of eating is an acquired skill. And when you're present for the eating, you enjoy it more. One of the other things I struggled with uh, pre-op and as a new post-op was enjoying my food. So mm -hmm. as a pre-op, of course, I had, um, you know, like a trough for a belly. Right. <laughs> for, and if I would eat something and not like it, and then I would be disappointed and I would go and get like almost like a second dinner. Right. Something, right. Something that was really palatable. Right. Because I wasn't satisfied with the first. Well, now I do something <gasps> that some people don't even think of, which is. Sorry, my dog is chewing on my ottoman. Hang on. I do things that some people don't even think of, which is I throw the food away. I throw the food away because when it comes down to it, I would rather throw the food away than really obsess or think about that second choice. You know, sec 
dreaming about something else. So I focus on eating healthy, nutritious, and delicious foods that are satisfying. And this is also where we get to eat good food. We get to eat nutritious food right. that we enjoy because this is not a diet. This is lifestyle change. It is change. not a diet. It is not a diet at all. <clears throat> you know, and, and, you know, coming back to awareness of eating, and this is an example I was thinking of as I was scolding Xander, um, is Thanksgiving. I cook Thanksgiving dinner and when it comes time to sit down, everyone else is starving and I'm like, nah. why? Right. Because I have snacked my way through tasting everything the whole day. And so I've been eating all day long. And I don't even, you don't even think about it. It's like, oh, I have to taste this, make sure it's okay. Is it too salty? Is it not salty enough? And oh, there's another taste, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, every little change you make, you got to taste. I mean, and so, and I, you don't, I didn't even, I don't think about it. Right. But that's exactly what you're doing. It's this completely mindless, you know, it's just a habit. So, um, yeah. So awareness of eating, become aware of what you're doing when you're doing it make a conscious effort to note those times that, you know, your hand is going back into the candy bowl, you know. And and be aware of that scoop, using the Thanksgiving example, how many spoonfuls of, again, not for the purpose of scolding yourself, right. but the, okay, I'm going to have a second scoop of sweet potatoes or I'm right. going to have a second. And, and for me, I'm thinking a scoop is like a teaspoon. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's where my brain is. Um or even if you're going to have a piece of or a spoonful of stuffing or if you're going right. to have a spoonful of whatever, then being aware of it and um, enjoying it. Right. Savor the Savor food. The Savor food. the food. Yeah, absolutely. And slow down and taste it. Put because... your fork down between every bite. God, guys, if you have no other habit in the planet, please develop that one. Take a bite. Put your fork down down. I will completely eat so much chew more. It, completely if I... chew it, completely swallow it, count to 30, then take your next bite. Eventually you'll start eating slower. Eventually. If I've, you continue to do that. I've had to tell myself like, it's not going anywhere. Yes. Yeah, slow down. Nobody's going to take it from you. Well, <laughs> and I have teacher brain. So I was in the classroom for 25 years. When you're a teacher, you're lucky if you get 10 minutes to eat. And so I have this 25 year habit of inhaling my food. Right. And oh my gosh, you guys, after bariatric surgery, that was the hardest habit to break. So hard, so hard to break because that's what you have to do. It's shifting. It's shifting the habits and the awareness of, um, so the awareness of eating is essentially that mindfulness, but also the awareness of why you're eating. Right. Right. I know that's not what she said, but the awareness of why Mm. you're eating is, are you physically hungry? Is it time to eat? Mm-hmm. Or are you looking? Are you bored? Are you depressed? Are you, I mean, what, or is it just a habit because you're watching TV or, I mean, what is the reason? So yeah. the other thing, which we could turn into a whole other episode is the whole compassion versus indulgence. I deserve this. Oh yeah. I deserve this. Yeah. I've had a rough day. I deserve this. Yeah. No, honey, you deserve love and compassion and kindness. Not, yeah. not a haagen bar. <laughs> <laughs> but no. that's an indulgence. That's an, it's indulgence. an indulgence. I call them splurges. I call them splurges. Splurges. Um, you know, and like, I, I don't like to use the term cheating because you are consciously making a choice to splurge. on Absolutely. Something. It's a conscious choice. And again, so, that's part yeah. of lifestyle. Like that's part of, yep. that's part of healthy living. 
is yep. that is going to happen. This is not, I hear people all the time, I was bad today. No, no, no. Well, you made bad choices. You chose. You made choices. Well, and if you choose it as a splurge, I don't want to feel bad about a splurge. Yeah. I want to enjoy that just as much as my healthy food because, again, I want to have a healthy relationship with all food. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Even with the splurges. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, guys, here's the bottom line. The honeymoon phase does end. And the way to make the transition beyond the honeymoon phase so much easier is to start to develop these habits, these awarenesses, these strategies, your understanding with food. You want to understand all of these things that we talked about in this episode, all of them, to help make that transition easier so that you're not completely derailed and all of a sudden you're scrambling when you get down the road. So your physical needs, your hunger and fullness, your relationship with food, your strategy use, your habit formation, and your awareness of eating. All of them, those six components are absolutely critical to your success. Um, you know, we've got a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> strategically placed. Strategically squeak. placed squeaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be Xander. Um, so, yeah. So, again, be aware. Please don't become complacent and comfortable in, and if you in have depression phase, or anxiety, yes. and if you're struggling with these things, if you have core issues, go find a therapist in your area to work on yes. the core issues yes. because that is going to impact your relationship with food because it has to do with your relationship with self. Right. And, and guys, here's the thing though, even if you're beyond the honeymoon phase, even if you're two, three, four, 12 years post-op, start working on these now. It can make all the difference. It can reverse regain. It can, I mean, there's so much that can happen as a result of these. So it's not just, you know, all hope is not lost. You haven't ruined your tool. It will still work. I promise you, I can work with you from a nutritional standpoint. Kristen can work with you from a mindset standpoint. Natalie can work with you from a fitness standpoint. We can get you where you need to be, but you have to be willing to put in the work. So start now. Oh, and what is your, what is your phrase? Which one? Oh, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> Got to put in the work, guys. Got to put in the work. Okay, so that wraps it up for today's episode, you guys. Um, if you have any questions, any comments, any anything you want to contribute, please go to the website, mybariatrickitchenonline.com and find the podcast tab. There's a form there you can fill out. Um, you know, join our Facebook groups, uh, my Bariatric Mindset Mavens and My Bariatric Kitchen. They're Reach free. Out, yeah, they're free. Reach out to either one of us at any point through Facebook Messenger or through email. You can, you know, ask away. Help us here. We're here to help you. Um, you know, spread the word. Share, 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 share. share sharing share. is yes. caring. Yes, yes. <laughs> share the podcast. Let your bariatric surgery centers know. Let your friends know. Let your support groups know that we're out there and that we're willing to help. We're also looking for guests. So maybe if you have a bariatric surgeon um, that you you know think would be a particularly great guest, or if you you know even have. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but if you have a, you know, a bariatric surgeon or maybe a plastic surgeon or someone that you feel would, would, um, be a great guest on to help talk about some of the, the issues from the surgical standpoints, then, you know, let us know, talk to them, give us, you know, their contact information or vice versa. Um, but yeah, reach out to us, let us happen. Um, okay. Quick, uncomfortable truth. Uncomfortable truth. If you're not willing 
to dig into your stuff, you you may continue to struggle for the long term. Okay. It's it's yeah. not just the um it's yes, the nutrition is important. However, if you go back to why can't I just dot 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 mm-hmm, dot mm-hmm. you it's not a character flaw. Right. There's something else going on beneath the surface. It's likely a core issue. If you're not willing to dig into your own stuff, you may not get to the core and the root of the problem. Right. Perfect. And mine is honestly Surgery is not a replacement for changing the systems that led to obesity. Surgery is not the answer. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's not the end all be all fix all. It is just a tool. And you have to, just like when you build a house and you wield a hammer, you have to use the tool or it's not going to be effective. Yep. So you can't stare the, the nails into driving into the wood. You have to actually physically use the hammer, just like you have to use your tool to get you to your goal. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys later. Check out our next episode coming up next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The content included in this podcast is for information and education purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your surgeon, physician, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical issue or concerns. Thanks.